Thank you for listening to Scandinavian Crimes Podcast. Be sure to check out the episode links and be part of our other social media platforms where you can leave a topic suggestion or even share some of your insights regarding the subject matter of the episode. We will always do our best to provide a well-researched episode, but sometimes due to limited access to information and translation issues, some information can be lost. It is therefore good to do your own research and get a deeper understanding of a case of your own interest. So with that all said, let us start today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Scandinavian Crimes. My name is Devante and say hello to my lovely co-host Delilah. Hi. And in today's episode, we will cover the disappearance and the murder of Bernard Berjans Dottir. Now, forgive me if I butcher the name and trust me, I will be butchering it several times over again during the rest of this story, but I'll probably refer to her as simply Berna. But she was a 20-year-old Icelandic woman who went missing in January 2017, sparking a massive search effort in Iceland. Her body was later found and the case received widespread media coverage and public attention. Now, what's super interesting and super kind of crazy about this case is Iceland has a very low crime rate and 2017 was not that long ago. I graduated from college in 2017. So it's really crazy to hear things like this are still happening, even by today's standards, even when we have technology and things to help prevent situations like this from happening. But as you can tell, it still does happen, not just here in America, where, you know, obviously we do have, you know, more of this happening, but all over the world still. So sit back, get your snacks, grab your tea and listen well, because this is the story of Berna Bergestotir. On Friday night, January 13th, 2017, Berna went out with her friends to Huda, a club central to the city. She then was left alone around 5 a.m. that morning on January 14th, three hours after her friends left. Surveillance footage showed that Berna was walking along the main shopping street of Lugavagor when a red Kia Rio stopped near her. It is believed that Berna was taken by force into the car. After Berna's friends and co-workers called her parents, it became apparent that she had not returned home or even contacted her parents, which was very strange for her. Berna lives with her father, and it's very unusual for her to not be in contact with any form of family member, especially when she was going out. The parents contacted the police, and the search over the next week was the largest manhunt in Iceland, with more than 800 people volunteering to help. Her mobile phone was traced to Hafnar Rajoro Harbor, and her shoes were found nearby. The car was also traced back to the harbor where it was seen on surveillance video. The car had apparently been rented by a crew member of the Polar Nanok Trawler, a green Icelandic vessel. With the assistance of the captain, the Icelandic police arrested two crew members on suspicion of murder, Thomas Moller Olsen and Nikolaj Olsen. With further investigation, the police also found that Berna's blood was in the car and her driver's license was on the ship. Despite the extensive search, there was no sign of Berna until her body was found eight days later on January 22nd. Her body washed up near the Selvosviti lighthouse on the coast of Reyk Jane's Peninsula, more than 40 kilometers, which for my American folk, 26 miles away from where she initially disappeared. The autopsy established that her cause of death was drowning, but bruising also indicated that she had been strangled and hit in the face. She was found naked, but there was no evidence of any sexual assault. During police interrogation, Thomas Olsen denied any involvement in Berna's disappearance. 
He claimed that he and Nikolaj had picked up two girls in downtown Lake on the morning of January 14th. He claimed that after dropping Nikolaj off the polar Nanak, he parked at the end of the harbor and climbed into the back of the car with two women, one of whom was Berna. He said he kissed her and dropped the woman off at a nearby roundabout an hour later. Nikolaj initially confirmed Alston's story but later retracted his testimony, stating that he had been too intoxicated to remember the events clearly and that Alston had attempted to influence his statement. Nikolaj's vague statements seem plausible given his level of intoxication as seen on CCTV footage. Alston's statement, however, had too many inconsistencies. After dropping Nikolaj off, Alston's phone was turned off for hours and the car wasn't seen on surveillance footage until 11 a.m. when Alston returned to the harbor. He claimed to have slept in the car during that time, but the odometer reading suggested he took a long drive. He was also seen on video buying cleaning supplies and scrubbing the inside of the car, claiming he was trying to remove the vomit from the back seat. But when the forensics officer sprayed luminol, a chemical that reacts to blood stains on the inside of the car, it lit up like Christmas. All the evidence suggested that Alston was responsible for Berna's disappearance as well as her death. Additionally to this, 23.4 kilograms, which is, for my American folks once again, 51.6 pounds of pressed hashish blocks were found in his cabin aboard the trawler. He also had some scratches on his chest that would indicate a struggle during some sort of fight or altercation. Despite all of this, Olsen stuck to his original story in nine police interviews. After two weeks in custody, Nikolaj was released as police concluded he was not present during the crime. The motive for Berner entering the car and why Alston killed her remain a mystery, even until this day. On March 30th, 2017, Alston was charged with murder and drug possession. His trial began in August at Rake Jane's District Court. He was widely covered by the Icelandic media and in the courtroom was packed with members of public, including family and friends of Berner. In court, Alston changed his story and attempted to place all responsibility for Berner's disappearance and the murder on Nikolaj. He claimed that his previous statement was delivered under duress and that the police had mistreated him during the interrogation. He also admitted that the drugs found in his cabin were his, despite denying knowledge of them before. In his new version of events, Alston claimed that he was only driving for Nikolaj, who was aggressively pursuing women and girls at bars in downtown Reykjavik. He admitted to picking up one girl who fell asleep in the backseat while Nikolaj spoke to her. Alston claimed that Nikolaj then drove off with the girl and when the car returned, the girl was gone. He also claimed Nikolaj had blood on his hands and was extremely agitated. However, with all the evidence against Olsen, his story seemed impossible and highly unrealistic. His DNA was found on the laces of Berna's boots and his fingerprints were all over her driver's license. Large quantities of blood were later found in the rental car and her shoes were found near the spot where Olsen had parked the car. Security camera footage from where Olsen and Nikolaj met seems to confirm Nikolaj's version of events. The footage also shows Olsen spending significant time in the rental car at a secluded spot at the harbor after dropping Nikolaj off at the trawler, during which police believe the assault of Berna occurred. On top of this, the scratches on Olsen's chest and hands suggest a struggle. Olsen claimed that he often scratches himself until it gets bloody while sleeping, but could not offer an explanation for the blood found in the vehicle. He also claims that he was searching for his cell phone in the car during the time it was parked in the harbor and ended up falling asleep inside the car. Security camera footage shows Alston driving off from the harbor and returning several hours later. Police believe that he used this time to dispose of Berna's body and attempted to scrub the car of evidence. 
When asked about the discrepancies between the previous testimony and his current one, Alston cited mistreatment by the police and feeling like a monster after his arrest. Due to these allegations, Nikolaj became a witness against Alston. However, he had very fragmented memory due to him being very intoxicated. His story was pretty much the same as the previous police investigations with the evidence backing his statements. A month later, the judges convicted Thomas on both charges, Thomas Olsen being, and he was sentenced to 19 years in prison. After an appeal, Olsen's conviction was affirmed by the high court in November 2018, and his sentence of 19 years in prison for the murder and drug smuggling was upheld, along with a 29 million kroner, which is, you know, American money, $243,000 um, of assessment for cost and compensation. In October 2019, he was transferred to Denmark to serve the rest of his sentence. The disappearance and murder of Berna had a significant impact on the people of Iceland, who were deeply shocked by the brutal nature of the crime, and highlighted the vulnerability of young women who go out at night and shattered the sense of safety for all women. There were calls for greater security measures in the Nijavik's city center, particularly around the bars and nightclubs that are popular with young people. The incident also sparked a national debate about drug use in Iceland and the need for more resources to tackle drug trafficking. Wow. So um, this story was relatively short for the most part. It wasn't super extensive, but it's still very much important when it comes to the safety of women out there. Now, uh, I will say this, you know, even as a man, I'm, I'm hyper aware that as a human race, we're all pretty trash to each other. Um, men can be trash to other men. Men can be trash to other women. Women can be trash to other women. Women can be trash, you know, you, you know, the whole thing, vice versa, everything. But particularly it's very dangerous because there's a physical advantage that men have over women uh this is undeniable this is biological we have you know denser muscles and denser bone structure and you know we just naturally we come out the womb stronger and we spend our entire childhood as boys trying to control that strength which you know i'm just kind of pulling the curtain behind that for people who don't know um we grow up as a boy you know the whole point of growing up is learning how to have self-control because of the things that come with the territory we're not monsters per se but you know it's just simply we can be a little rough we can especially when testosterone kicks in we have less self-control and our brains don't even stop developing in terms of fully mature until like what 30s 40s like our brain is still growing and changing and maturing and um and now I'm not saying any of this as an excuse. The point I'm making is there needs to be some sort of, you know, way for us to, you know, protect women from men who lack impulse control, who, you know, are driven solely by their desires, because this happens far too many times. Um, there are there are people out there who never learned how to curb their, you know, their urges or, you know, their desires. And they're driven solely by those desires. And they can be very dangerous for women out there, you know, I'm not just saying this simply because, you know, it's a podcast, um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty big dude. So I've never had to think about, you know, me at night wondering if someone's going to, you know, try and drag me into a car. I'm 250 pounds. I'm like just under six one. No one's going to be, you know, doing that to me pretty easily. You know, they're going to get a pretty big fight. But the fact is, you know, that can happen to Delilah. That can happen to my mother. That can happen to my sister. That can happen to my cousins. That can happen to friends. And, you know, that those situations happen every single day around the world. And there should be some sort of, you know, uh, effort 
to try and make sure we can prevent these things from happening because it does exist. And, you know, I'm not also once again, I'm not trying to say, you know, men are evil because I know we have a lot of male listeners. um, But I also know we have female listeners and I have to, you know, state the facts, you know, when it comes to abductions, you know, in situations where it's pulling people off the street, men are likely to do it because physically we're capable and the market is mostly catered to men. Sex trafficking is mostly catered to men. You know, situations like this is more catered to men in terms of how they, you know, can't really control those urges. So um, this is once again, this is not to bash anyone, but this story is truly, you know, a sign that we need to do things differently. We need to look out for women. We need to help women. We need to make sure they are protected. They are safe. They're able to enjoy their lives. And we need to hold people, you know, like him accountable. It's it's uh it's hard to say if Olsen, uh, Thomas Olsen was actually, you know, if he truly did it or not, because as you've heard in the podcast before, uh, there's times when the evidence seemed like one thing, but then in reality, something else can happen. But uh, if he did do it, he needs to be held accountable. And so do people like him who don't know what they're doing is hurting people and making people feel unsafe when they deserve to have a life very much like how I'm able to function throughout my life. You know, at least being a man, I'm not getting into the racial part of it, but, you know, that's what needs to happen. But go ahead, Delilah, I already know what you're going to kind of say about this and the whole idea of, you know, being protected and protecting and all that stuff. So go ahead. I already know what you're going to say. Let me know what you think. So this case was pretty much, you know, done. Uh, They had so much evidence against Olsen. And I'm not going to say or, you know, talk about you know too much but I just want to say some small things um this whole case was a huge deal um and I said that you know I I think we probably told you guys about that before but I also have like the lowest crime rate uh than in the world I would say um and this case was just very huge in Iceland and uh, I'm glad that after this case they started making taking measures against you know anything like this happening again towards women they started making uh, putting up surveillance cameras and everything and also um, I don't think you mentioned it but they did also uh, make a only women um, car services as well so that if women want to ride home they will be able to have a woman as a driver for example Um, so they did actually do a lot of good things after this case to just make it or make sure that everyone feels safe or women feel safe Um, so it was you know even though it was a tragic event it did lead to something good um, I also have some, like, some thoughts or theories about why or how she went in, like, were, you know, somehow invited in the car. Uh, it wasn't really, sh- like, nobody really knew how, how it happened. Um, but I, I think that he kind of drugged her and just put her inside the car. Uh, 
rather than like forcing her in a way to get inside the car because that's harder to do. Uh, but you know, either way, we will never know how and why. They also say that in Iceland that women, like back in the days, they it was easier for them to just like walk in strangers' cars and get a ride. I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean some articles that say that maybe th- she just willingly went in and, and believed in him or something i don't know i think back in the day uh, they did that more frequently um even in the u.s <clears throat> obviously i wouldn't say in the 90s i think by then people knew but definitely in like the 60s 70s and 80s uh what, what we call it hitchhiking people used to do that all the time they would go places hitchhike like oh someone going in the general direction that i'm going i'll ride with them i'm like they're strangers but yeah i think uh, that was just a general culture at the time that we've quickly uh you know got up out of because of situations like this and serial killers so i also think like in like in iceland that it's not a big country there's not a lot of people that population is not that big either so maybe they felt more safe that it's, it was more safe to do that but in this case it was not probably <laughs> another thing i was thought was stupid was how olsen just like said a story during interrogation and then in the trial changed it abruptly and tried to frame nikolai and stuff I, I, i'm like <sighs> he said a couple sometimes things. huh he said a couple things he tried to make it seem like the police had forced him and don't get me wrong it's in it's possible but based on the evidence it's not but likely they did also have a lot of proof yeah like, that's what i'm saying it was unlikely truth, so uh, proof how he changed the story makes him also not trustworthy or believable in a way that's why usually you shouldn't really talk during an inter interrogation you should probably wait for a lawyer. Sometimes what happens, though, like I said, it doesn't happen as often anymore, but sometimes police will try and get you to respond for that reason. Mm. They try to force you into a situation because they know the second you get a lawyer, there's only but so much you have to say at that point. Because once you tell your counsel, mm. then they'll be able to, you know, figure out what they need to do in court and all that jazz. So a lot of the time police... Like I said, it's not impossible. They did have evidence, but, you know, just from that alone, I know it does happen. And even people who change their stories, even though it does happen that they can be guilty, there is, unfortunately, because of bad, a few bad eggs, it's very much possible that, you know, maybe there was an instance where, you know, they were coerced or something like that. I'm not saying that is the case. I'm just saying, unfortunately... In situations like this, you have to take all possibilities into account because of the history of how unfortunate things have transpired when it comes to the criminal justice system in any country. But that's, hmm. you know, I already said what I had to say before, but that just that was just a respond to what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Even though, like, Nikolai, he kind of also did, you know, change his story. I, I guess he didn't change his story. He was more like, you know, I agree with you the first time, but I feel like I can't really remember anything, so I'm just going to withdraw everything I said. Yeah. So I guess it's not really changing anything. It's mostly like I can't rely on my memory. So... <laughs> yeah, and uh, even then, when the first time he said uh, what happened, 
he never gave any specific details. Like, I just remember seeing her and I left. He, so it wasn't like it, the story changed drastically. It's like you said, mm-hmm. he just specified. I mean, that's what I remember seeing, but also I was very drunk. So the only thing I know for a fact is I, I got dropped off. At least off. he was honest and yeah. there was proof, you know, that he, he didn't do was anything. too drunk to even remember anything. Yep. So, you know, like I said, it's a pretty straightforward story, but it just goes to show that it can be very dangerous for people, especially women who go out and, you know, they're just living their life and... That's like a normal life for women nowadays, honestly, which is sad Uh, to always have to, like, be aware and stuff, you know. I mean, it's a very scary world we live in. And I, you know, obviously, I wish we'd live in a world where, you know, everyone just had a little bit more self-control and were able to control their urges. But unfortunately, we have people who just are not capable of doing such things well i guess that's pretty much it for today um it was as you said straightforward case the story is interesting it's more like we wanted to tell the story to you guys um and inform every about safety and everything you know Mm -hmm. well i'll say this before we end up with the food ladies be safe out there watch your back you know let people know where Mm -hmm. you are uh life 360 Mm -hmm. app is a lifesaver uh, make sure you share it with the friend who you trust, who uh, knows where you're at all times. You want to go to clubs, you want to go to lounges. Uh, be sure to move as a unit. If you leave your drink alone for more than <laughs> ten seconds, get a whole new drink, and uh, you know just be mindful of everything. You know the tactics, the tricks. Don't go home with strangers. I don't care how attractive he or she may be. Don't do it. It ain't worth it. It ain't worth your life. Come on now at least do a little bit more vetting if they want to date you that's fine it's okay but just do a little bit more vetting for your safety because there's people out there who love you and obviously would be very upset if you uh ended up missing or dead so yeah just be careful i know you're already being careful but unfortunately just like driving you have to account for morons so uh <laughs> be careful take care of yourselves and uh, let's end it on a good note. Well, since I said going out to lounges, I think I'm going to do something a little different. Let's hit it with a little drink. Like a little little drink. I know you're probably going to pick some wine or something. Pepsi. Okay. Um, you say wine? You're probably going to say wine or something like that. I don't know. But, <laughs> I uh, thought you would say like literal. Okay. Sorry. Uh, I would say I'm, I'm going to go for a Long Island because that's my go-to because it's a mixture of like five different alcohols. So... If you want to go out and have a good time on a budget, that's like over here in America, it's like $13, give or take. So if you're paying $18 for Long Island, they can go suck it because it's not worth no $18. <laughs> you could pay like $12, $13, get you a good Long Island, and Isn't you'll like be buzzed. Is it like everything expensive now, however? I don't know. You could still go suck it. It's not $18 for no Long Island. <laughs> so you could pay like $12, $13, get a good Long Island from a decent bar, and guess what? You'll be a little tipsy because it has five different alcohols in it. There's barely any chaser, just a little bit of seltzer, and you'll be fine. But that's what I'm going to recommend. Go ahead, Delilah. Uh, well, in that case, I'm going to go with uh, mojito. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Oh, that's know. a good one. Very delicious. Yeah, I do like the sour, the mint, everything. I just like that. And it's very palatable, you know? It goes down smooth because it tastes like more like juice than the alcohol, but it can sneak up on you, mm. though. So, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that's just a little vibe, you know, it's a little sign. I mean, I like, style. But I hope you guys <laughs> <Okay>. enjoyed 
the episode and uh, <laughs> be sure to stick around for next week's episode. That one also, too, is going to be a very interesting, interesting case. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll see you next time. Stay safe and see you next time, my friends. Mm-hmm. Bye.